Welcome everyone to the Your Say podcast. It's hard to believe, but we are at episode 56. It's taken us 56 episodes to finally drop a penis into the mix. But I can let you know, we are interviewing our first male species. His name's Carter and he runs the Touched Out podcast. This is such an amazing, amazing episode. Carter has the most amazing story that he shares with us. He is a parent of three children. He's been diagnosed late in life with autism and ADHD. And he talks about all the things that are going on in his life. He works night shift. He works with the youth. Oh my God, this is a must listen podcast. Make sure you go and check out his podcast as well. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Your Say podcast. Here we go. Today is a pivotal, pivotal point in the Your Say podcast journey because I have a guest and for the first time, we have a male guest on the podcast. Carter, welcome. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good. It's so good to finally get some sausage in amongst all these vulvas that we've been talking to for the last six months. So it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So Carter and I, um, we met because I came on your podcast, correct? Correct. Yeah. Had you on a few weeks ago. Yeah. The uh, episode isn't out yet. Unfortunately, it'll be season two. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And you're passionate about all things mental health, parenting. You know, you've created a platform for people to, to speak up about that. And I think today we're going to have a really awesome open chat about things. I just really want to get things from a male's perspective because often, you know, it's I'm, I'm obviously gay, which you know. And so everything for me is women, 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 women. So I'd really love to, to, to you know, to hear your perspective on certain things. Yeah, of course. Well, as a straight man, everything is very much women, women, women for me as well. So we have that in common. We definitely have that in common. So, <laughs> so Carter, start. I'm going to dive straight in. Take us through like a little bit about yourself, what you do, you know, why you started your podcast, and just give us a bit of give the listeners a bit of an overview. Yeah, too easy. Uh, so I am 36. I'm married with three children. I've got a daughter, Hendrix, who's four. A son, Roman, who's two, and a daughter, Salem, who's just turned one. Oh, got to be the best names I've ever heard. Salem. I just love that. Love, love, love yeah. that. I love all of They're them. Pretty cool. yeah. They're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. So a bit about me. Uh, I am a youth justice worker, but I work in a youth justice facility awesome. uh, in Victoria. Yep. Uh, I've been in that position for five years, uh, four of which I've been exclusively on night shift. Oh wow! So that's I did I did know that. So you work exclusively night shift, and and why did you choose that? Uh, so it was it was a bit of a process to change to night shift, but I was yeah I was in the job for a year, and I actually got assaulted by one of the uh, one of the clients whilst breaking up a fight. Uh-huh. Um, and that actually is a really pivotal point in my life as far as like taking my mental health seriously goes. Yeah, right. Uh, so, I mean, I grew up with depression, anxiety, all of that mm-hmm. uh, due to, you know, childhood trauma and uh, my mother passing away from cancer and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I'd been in and out of therapy and whatnot for the longest time. Uh, but it was always just like go to therapy, talk about your feelings and then leave. There was yeah. never any connection with my therapists uh, until the assault happened and right. I I went to see the clinical psychologist mm-hmm. through work, mm-hmm. and I I clicked with her uh, right. instantly. Her and I had a lot of 
shared experiences as far as our histories went. Mm-hmm. And she actually took the time to sit there and provide me with tools to better understand myself and better help myself. Wow. Um, and and how, long, how long ago was that, Carter? How long ago did that happen for you? So that was four years ago. Wow. That's fantastic. Fantastic that, um, you've, that, you've, that, you've, that you've found that connection. Yeah, absolutely great. It, it uh, definitely changed my life. And I'm a massive, massive advocate for therapy, but mm. not only therapy, but finding the right therapist for you. Because absolutely. it's it's honestly like being in a relationship, you know, you can't you can't date someone if you don't gel, if you have fundamental differences and and you you aren't cohesive, it's mm. not going to work. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had therapists that are like, you need to find God. And I'm very anti-religious. So yeah, right. like that was never going to work. So yeah, it it finally clicked and I started doing a lot of work on myself. Mm-hmm. Uh and I was going to quit the job. My wife didn't want me to go back after yeah. I took some time off after the assault. Mm. She was like, it's too dangerous. You know, we've got a a little baby to look after. I need you to be well and safe and mm. everything. Um, and, how, and I was how, like, oh. sorry, Carter, how old are they? Like how old where you work? What What's the age bracket of the uh, We have 15, 15 to 21 year olds. Okay. So they're young adults, ability. right? They're not, they're not, they're not true. They're not, they're not children. They're young adults essentially. No. Yeah. Yeah. Young adults. Um, and I mean, some of them are like six foot five, six foot six, yeah. and they've got access to gyms daily. So they are very, very strong young adults. Yeah, and right. um, yeah, like it's, it's kind of like the, uh, we, I mean, we have, uh, clients that have, have done every kind of crime, you know, from carjacking and, and petty theft and mm. drug dealing all the way up to like rape, murder, child wow. sex offenses. And so, so- I'm sorry, I'm I'm fascinated by this and here I go off on a lovely tangent. But like I like what I thought once they're eighteen they go to normal jail. Obviously that's not the case. No, so in Victoria, I believe we're the only state in Australia that has what's called a dual track system. Right. So the basic, very basic gist of it is if you offend as a teenager or a minor or whatever, mm-hmm. you'll you'll come into youth justice. Right. You may then get released on bail. Right. And if you commit further crimes after you've turned 18, you've you've broken your parole, mm-hmm. but you'll go to adult prison for the crimes you have committed whilst out on bail. And then once that sentence is up, you still owe time to youth justice right. because you broke parole. So you'll come back, which is, I mean, I kind of get why, but at the same time, it's it's pretty detrimental because mm. you've got these kids that are coming back from adults and they've had the taste of like proper time. Yeah. And, um, you know, they kind of wear it as a badge of honour. And it, yeah, oh, it, I can it imagine. turns into like, you know, I've been to the big house. weird daycare <laughs> prison yeah. um, hybrid. Yeah, and right. it can be pretty detrimental to other kids that are there that, and, you know, just trying to do their time and may have remorse for what they've done. Yeah. They kind of get pulled into that crime life a little bit more. And what role do you do? What role do you do there? You look after, like, yeah, what do you do? Um, so I'm essentially a prison officer. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, when I was on days, I was active on the floor with, with the boys. Mm. Um, so my roles kind of varied from, uh, you know, just like getting them up in the mornings to, um, watching them make breakfast, getting them to classes because they've got schools there, taking mm-hmm. them to gym, mm-hmm. uh, sports, making sure that 
they go to you know health healthcare meetings, psychology yep. appointments, dentists, doctor, everything like that. And then there's obviously the the security standpoint. So you know, ensuring the safety of staff and clients, yep. um, responding to codes. Uh, obviously, we have like a tactical training part of it where we may have to go hands on if um, someone gets a little bit out of control or the situation gets a little bit hectic. Um, yeah, right. I didn't have to go hands on too often. I'm I was quite lucky in that I um, I possess a lot of empathy, and through that empathy, I was able to form some pretty decent bonds with with the boys. Yeah, I can imagine. That's awesome. Um, so, like, I never really had much trouble. That, when I got assaulted was the first time I had uh, any kind of significant trouble happen to me. Wow. This is um, it's just so – it's just, yeah, like – it's just fascinating learning. I, I find it so interesting learning about other industries. Yeah, I just find it so fascinating, Carter, to listen to other people's job roles and the ins and outs of it. And so after the assault, did you, like, why did you move to Knights? Why was that important? So I was trying to figure out a way that I was able to stay in a job that had the same kind of pay range. Yep. Um, I didn't really want to go back to working like on the floor with the boys. I was, you know, I had the fear in me a little bit. Yeah. And I thought maybe I'm, I'm not, because the the kid that assaulted me, I had a, I had a pretty good rapport with. Mm. Um. So it was a real shock to me. Yeah. Right. Um. That someone could turn on me so instantly, and mm. then like, I kind of had this realization that like you know, be friendly, but not friends. Yeah. And it's not that I had crossed that boundary in any way, but it, it really solidified that thought yeah. and that mentality. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can help these people the yeah. way that I, that I want to help them. Yeah. And that'd be hard, right? Because it becomes, I can imagine like you would get, I want to say the word close, but you know what I mean by that, right? You would form relationships with them and you would build a level of trust. And then to have that massive reminder that it's not safe and you know someone do something that you wouldn't have imagined they do yeah that would be really really fucking hard yeah it sucks and i went through i went through like this really really like sucky um period where i was just super down all the time and mm. like i started questioning like relationships outside of work yeah. Um, which, which sucked, you know, mm. but I, I, you know, I did the work and, and I talked to my wife about it and I was like, you know, how, instead of going back to like call center work, which is what I had done for the previous, you know, over a decade, yep. uh, which was soul crushing and I hated. I'm finding this such an interesting conversation, Carter. So now for you, you're happy. Like you, you talked about the whole ADHD thing and you know, after the assault, you know, where are you at personally now within your mental health journey, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, yeah, so after the ADHD diagnosis and uh, subsequent autism diagnosis, so I'll, can, I'll start there. Can you can you just talk me through it, though, because I am fascinated about this. I've literally been diagnosed from a psychologist from it, and I'm mm -hmm. waiting to see a psychiatrist. So I... Yeah. 
have been sitting in this pool of, no, I can't have ADHD because everyone's got it now and I don't want to be one of those people. And but the more I interviewed people, the more I researched it, the more I'm like, oh, this is so me. And I take mm-hmm. anxiety medication and I'm kind of like, well, maybe I'm not anxious. Like maybe I'm taking the wrong medication and have been for two and a half years. So I've just recently, you know, gone down the path. So I'd love if you don't mind sharing, if you could share the journey because it's um, interesting for me and certainly for the listeners. Yeah, certainly. So basically, uh, after the assault and going to the psychologist and and everything like that, that started me off on you know properly trying to heal a lot of my my things, you know, my childhood traumas and whatnot. And the puzzle pieces started to click a little bit with ADHD, and I started kind of searching mm-hmm. for answers with that. Uh, around about the same time, my two year old now two-year-old son Roman uh, he was diagnosed with autism right. um, so that was probably about 14 15 months ago now yep and then after his diagnosis there was one night my wife and I were watching some TV and he was playing with his sister and whatnot and um, my wife was looking at me and I was uh, stimming so I was like picking at my fingernails and yeah my feet and everything and she was kind of like hey <laughs> Hey, don't take offense to this, but you and your son have a lot of the same sim like same stims and everything. So maybe we should look into you having autism, perhaps. (laughs) Was she was she treading carefully? Was she like, oh shit, do I say it? Do I not? (laughs) No, she's she was very sweet about it. Usually she'd just be like, Hey, you you're autistic as fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, I went um I'd already had the appointment with my psychiatrist Mm -hmm. for the ADHD diagnosis Mm -hmm. and that came back yep and then I was looking into uh, ADHD and autism um, comorbidity Mm -hmm. which is like uh, quite often um, the two diagnoses kind of live alongside each other right Um, so yet again more research and more puzzle pieces seemed to fit and then yeah I got my uh, got my diagnosis I never got officially diagnosed, but the psychiatrist was like, if you want an official diagnosis, it's going to cost a bit of money. Yeah. Um, but, you know, pretty safe to say off the records that, yeah, you've got autism. And I'm like, fuck, that's enough for me. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, like it's not going to change my life apart from, you know, having to spend money. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm unofficially official yeah. diagnosed yeah. autistic. Um, so yet again, since then, it's just been a lot of a lot of soul searching, a lot of uh, kind of coming to terms with it. Throughout that diagnosis, for the first few weeks, I went through a lot of different emotions. You know, uh, sadness and and kind of grieving the life that I could have had if I was diagnosed earlier and, mm, and this is a real, this is a real part, in place. This is a real part of it, isn't it? Because a few people have said that to me, that there's a, a piece where you're like, I feel like I'm 47. I feel like I've literally just slogged my whole life out to find mm-hmm. myself, to work mm-hmm. out how I can best work to the best of my ability and work with in my brain. And now I'm going to get diagnosed, which I already know I am, and I'm going to, yeah, I think there will, I can see that there would be that where it's like, fuck, if only I had known this, I could have done that. I, I suppose that's a, a major part of it, right? Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's really easy to kind of live in, in that space, in that negative thinking when you get the diagnosis and you yeah. can you can really hold on to a lot of anger. Um, 
and resentment for for the life that you could have had. You know, I could have, if I had supports in place in school and mm. there were some kind of uh, support people around to help keep me on track, I wouldn't mm. have dropped out of year 12 twice mm. and I wouldn't have, I maybe wouldn't have, you know, become like this dirty little gutter punk teenage drug yep. addict <laughs> and, and you know, all of these things. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was like, I don't want to live no. in that in that frame of mind because all of those things that happened led me to being the person that I am today. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm happily married and I've got three amazing children and I have a great job and, you know, we've built a house and we've built a beautiful life together. So, yeah. So I don't, yeah, yeah, there's no regret. Yeah. And I would be, I, I know that I will be exactly the same. I think for me, the reason why, and you know, the podcast is a major part as to why I've decided to go down the path because I know that my diagnosis is educating others. <laughs> I mm-hmm. stupidly told my mum about it on the weekend. Oh, for God's sake, everyone's got that. No, no, no. You know, it was just one of those conversations. Yeah. And I was like, Mom, can you just, like, can you actually just please open your mind and listen? Because mm-hmm. I've always known my brain works differently. It's been very, like, it's, we're all aware that it has. And so, all I'm doing is finding out what way it works so that I can then work within it better. But she was like most mums of getting somewhat defensive and, you know, cause my brother definitely had it when he was younger as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's every chance she did as well, but it didn't exist back then. But yeah. no, it's, um, yeah. And so if you don't mind me asking, are you medicated now? And, and, and how has your life changed since the diagnosis 12 months on? Yeah, I am medicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am currently on 50 milligrams of Vans, uh, which is soon to be upped because I don't, I don't, I, I don't know um, what that means, but okay. <laughs> okay. So Vans is it's a um, dexamphetamine essentially, which yep. is to treat ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm going to up that because I've been kind of double dosing and I've been fi- finding that it, it uh, definitely helps me a lot more to be on the higher dose. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, that's something I need to talk about with my psychiatrist soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry, what was your, what was your no, question? No, no, no. My question was like, like, how has your life changed? Like, do you concentrate more? Like how quickly did it take effect? Like, I'm genuinely curious. Like I've just learned to live with the fact that I constantly I don't work in chaos. I'm either crazy, super fixated on something or I've got th- 50 things on the go at once. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and for me, it's become really obvious now that I work for myself. When I worked for others in a corporate environment, I always had people to pick up the shit for me. So I was aware that I didn't really finish certain things off and I'd be like, right, can you finish that? Can you do that? Can you? And I just kept on you know not knowing that I was an 80 percenter and that was kind of my like I kind of talked about I'd be like right I get something 80 percent done and then I move on to the next thing and Mm -hmm. I built a very successful career around it but what became really apparent for me is when I was working for myself is it was like well there's no one up there's no one finishing this shit for me so I would have you know, I'd do all these beautiful artworks and then I wouldn't photograph them for a month. And it's like, well, you can't Mm -hmm. fucking sell them if you don't photograph them and you can't make money. And so it became, it was really difficult for me in the beginning. It was really, and I would, then I would procrastinate harder and then I would fixate, then I would like beat myself up that I hadn't done it. And then I'd finally photograph them and then I wouldn't put them online for another week. And it was just this really, and I was seeing a coach and a psychologist as well. And I kind of just 
because I'm so positive, which you've already learned about me. So because I'm so, I'm like, oh, no, it's just this. That's just the way I am. But the more research I did and as the last 18 months have played out, I'm like, my brain definitely works differently. And the only thing I can focus on is TV. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we, we sound pretty much the same. I I very much work that way as well. And before the diagnosis, if there was any kind of thing that had like a time limit on it, uh, outside of my work responsibilities, uh, I would tend to just give them up. So, you know, I've got like a shed full of the ghosts of hobbies past and, you know, I'd hyper fixate on it and, you know, buy all of the accoutrement and I would love it for a couple of weeks and then realize that I'm not the best in the world at it. And then I'd stop getting that dopamine fix and I'd be like, well, I quit. Same. I tried, yeah, I fucking quit. Yeah, same. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a very like, you know, it, it, it and yeah. it's made me successful, right? I took up running. I ran a couple of marathons. I'd lose weight. I'd lose 25 kilos. Like I've played out a really good life with it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's not black and white. You can sit in the gray, you know, and it took me quitting my corporate career, working for myself, doing so much help on myself to kind of, I had to stop essentially. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, as a byproduct of my, of my marriage breaking down, but yeah, it's, it's really fascinating for me to think that there's a chance that my brain can quieten down. Cause like I said to the doctor just last week, it's sometimes really hard being me and I've learned to be me (laughs) but like it can be like sometimes I get so exhausted of myself right because when you're in that fixation mode then you just have this like I can be so exhausted and because I used to have to be at work I push through push through push through whereas now that I'm like oh no I'm gonna lay on the couch and I can sleep for four hours just randomly sleep for four hours and I think it's because I've given in like I've given into it now and I'm kind of yeah, it's just, it just, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of myself that I'm on the journey. Uh, there clearly isn't enough psychiatrists because the waiting list is like, I've called like 10 so far and the waiting list is upwards of four months at the moment on the Gold Coast, which is absolutely insane. But yeah, yeah it's, um, yeah. So how, how is your concentration levels now? Like how, yeah, how different is it for you? So the medication itself, it, it wasn't like a, a, one size fits all cure or anything like that. I still do have a lot of the same kind of issues that I had prior to being medicated. I still have executive functioning issues where, you know, I'll have a list of 20 things that I have to do and that'll overwhelm me and I'll just sit on the couch and be locked on my phone and scroll TikTok for four hours instead. Uh, The thing that has changed is the concentration level though. Mm. So, um, you know, things like starting my podcast. I'd wanted to start a podcast for over a decade, but I never kind of had to get up and go to do it. I wanted to do it with a co-host so I could kind of piggyback off them and let them do the work because Mm -hmm. I knew I'd give up otherwise. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, someone there to be accountable Mm. or hold me accountable. Mm. Uh, And then, you know, post being medicated, I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to do it. I have wanted to do it for so long and then it kind of just clicked with me one day to you know start this parenting podcast after my diagnosis because I found that there was a lot of parenting podcasts out there that talk about uh, the way in which they parent or like their children's lives or having children on the spectrum etc etc but there, there was a lack of content that I could find 
that was specifically for parents, by parents, about parents, about their lives, yes, about yes. about their traumas yes. and how they were raised yes. and how that has changed and shaped their parenthood journey. Yeah. Um, so that's what we delve into. We go into some pretty hectic things uh, you know regarding my guess childhood traumas mm. I talk a lot about my childhood mm-hmm. and my teen years and like the passing of my mum mm-hmm. um so it's pretty raw pretty r- r- emotional and everything like that but but without that medication I would have never gotten to this point you know I release a new episode every fortnight yeah uh, I've just finished up season one um, I have the entire of season two already recorded. Oh wow, um, that's awesome! And partially edited. I've got a waiting list of probably enough to get me through to another uh, a full season three. That's awesome. And and without the medication, that those those that train would just fucking fall off the tracks. Yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah, like I wouldn't have been able to keep focused enough to do it, or um, sticking to a fortnightly release schedule and getting the editing done and mm. writing the show notes and like all of this work that has gone into starting a podcast, learning, you know, audio engineering and editing and yeah, totally. video editing and everything like that. These aren't skills that I possess. These are skills that I had to teach myself. Totally. And without that medication, no fucking hope. Yeah, right. No hope. Well, this is good for me to know. All right. This is awesome. I'm so yeah. What's the point? What's your podcast called for everyone listening? It's called the Touched Out Podcast. Touched Out Podcast. I really resonate with why you started it and the need for that because there's just so much, you know, there's the Instagram parenting, you know, I'm I'm making a massive judgment statement here, but there's like the perfect, yes, it's all fucking roses and, you know, and it's always about the kid. And I just curated parenting is what I like to call it. Yeah, curated. There you go. Curated parenting. And I just did a podcast on co-parenting a couple about a week ago, and I re-listened back to it. And Mm -hmm. I, in that, I I make some pretty big statements, right? Like I, there were things where I had to make sure I was okay because if I wasn't okay, I couldn't be a parent. And you know, I've navigated co-parenting quite well. So Mm -hmm. I'm really interested to know, Carter, like in your podcasts like what are some of the episodes that stand out for you with where you've had guests like things that just I don't know blew your mind were really emotional what are the ones that stand out can you give us a bit of a hint and then people have to go over and and listen to more detail yeah for sure um I'll I'll try to stick with what's already released so people aren't searching for things that aren't there yet um I think one massive one that stands out the most for me is a conversation that I had with um, uh, an amazing girl named Bree. She's from New York, mm-hmm. a mother of five, stay-at-home mum, mm-hmm. uh, who was studying to become a uh, an educator, a teacher. Yep. And and I was like, what does that landscape look like in America mm-hmm. at the moment? Mm-hmm. Um, and that ended up being an entire conversation on gun violence and how really? it's an incredibly selfless thing to want to become a teacher uh, in that environment. And, you know, the the feelings and the anxieties and the, the fear of sending your child to school in America. Yeah, and right. it ended up in both of us in absolute tears as Brie recounted the day that one of her kids came home from school in tears uh, mm. because they had taught um, crises 
scenario and drill training that day. Yeah. And they had called it the Incredibles. Oh my god. Uh, so like eat like the Incredibles, as in like yes, the cartoon yes, yeah, the no, movie. No, I get it. I get it. Um, so each character had a different kind of function. So like Dash, the kid would run away from the bad people as fast as they could, mm. or Violet would uh, use anything she could as a shield and Mr. Incredible would mm. um, pick them up and t- put them out the window to get to safety. And it just, it, it just fucking broke my heart yeah, it would. to, I... to hear this. And she was just so, she was so upset by it. And her and I were just like bawling our eyes out. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sitting here now. Even like again, this is a, this is classic Nikki. I can't let this into my brain, and when I do, I'm like, like I'm just sitting here thinking, like there's just Australia can't even fathom Mm -hmm. a school massacre. Like, could you even for one second, like school for me? My kids go to a really great school. I feel like it's the safest place in the world for my kids. Like there's mm-hmm. way safer there than they are at the shopping centre or on the road or like you can't even imagine having that fear in our country. Like obviously I know it happens, I, you know, I, I see the media, but yeah, wow, that would be that would have been hectic, really, really. So she was studying to be a teacher or she had been a teacher? She was studying to be a teacher. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that the, the entire kind of section where she describes those crisis scenarios, I do have a clip of it on my socials as okay, well. Cool. So people right. can find that. Yep. Um, I'll tag everyone in it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that, that was a great episode. Um, another episode I had a girl from Washington on. Her name was Clea. Mm-hmm. I found her on TikTok. Awesome. Um, and one of her videos came up and she was in just crisis mode yep. and she was crying and like, she's got two kids. One of them was nonverbal and they were having a full on meltdown yep. and she was just at her wits end and she had gone outside to take a breather and recorded a Snapchat to send her, send to her friends mm-hmm. where she was crying. She's like, I don't know what to do. I fucking need help. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I don't want to be a fucking mum. Like I didn't sign up for this. And mm-hmm. she was just it just broke my heart to see this this video and this girl just just mm. absolutely crying for any any help. Any help at all. She, she was at her yeah, she was literally at her fucking wit's end. Yeah. So the video when I saw it was over a million views. Wow. It was like three thousand or something comments. And I was going through the comments and while there was a lot of like really great community spirit like you got this mama and we're here for you and you know here's the phone number for crisis lines and Mm. I I just want to make sure that you and babies are safe and you're not going to hurt yourself or them or anything like that Mm. there was also thousands and thousands of comments of people just being like if you can't handle it you shouldn't have fucking had them and just really 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 hateful and just shitty things to comment like it really was just like a kick me while I'm down kind of thing it's, yeah, and, and this is where social media, it's, there's so many fucking positive things to what it does. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a single mum, I love it because it makes me feel connected and I'm able mm-hmm. to share certain things and the communities that I've created allow me to not feel lonely at night. Like, to be really honest, I've made some amazing friendships this year through this circle, right, of doing the mm-hmm. podcast and on socials. But I also choose to follow people that lift me up and I, yeah, I just, I so struggle. 
and I know that it's their problem, the people that write those comments, but like, fuck me. There's just some dirt bags, right? Like, yeah, it's, just just scum of the earth. Yeah, um, it's just like, and it really is. It really, it really shines light on the type of person that they are, and it's it's definitely their own insecurities and their own issues that they're projecting onto other people. But it doesn't make it hurt any less. Uh, right. So, so I reached out to her and I asked her if she would be willing to come on the podcast. Yeah, uh, and our conversation was great, and you know, we talked about her mind frame after posting that video and all of the hateful comments that she had and our conversation was just really cool and she was she's a great chick and like i I mean i still stay in contact with all of my guests so far but her her and i still talk quite regularly um and i check in on her to make sure she's doing all right and if she needs it and here like i'm happy to jump on zoom with her and whatnot and just be a friend man that's so good. Um, you, you really make the world seem like such a small space when you start doing a podcast. Like I was, I interviewed a lady last night from France and all of a sudden this whole massive world, it's like you can talk to them through these computers and have these really yeah. intense relationships. And yeah, it's like just, it's, you create a community and it's just cre- exactly. magical. It is. And the conversation with her really solidified the reason why I started this podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and do, you, do you have, do your listeners, are they really loyal? They love, they, they can't wait for the next one, the next one, the next one? Yeah. 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 So I have, um, I have, yes, some, some, probably about a dozen, two dozen super loyal listeners who like listen within an hour of, yes. of the episode dropping. Yep. Um, with, yeah, which is great. And then they'll like send me a message being like, oh, you know, I want to talk to you about this and this and this. And yeah. And because of who I am as a person, I am pretty much always available for people. Yeah, <laughs> probably I'm too t- much though. So. I'm totally um, getting this vibe. I'm like, you are like empathy with a capital E, like, and yeah. just so, you know. But this is, you know, I'm not dissimilar. I do it in a different fashion, but it's, um, it's powerful work. Like, I know you would get the feedback, and I know because we've talked about it. But mm-hmm. you know, again, like, I there's two two people I've interviewed recently and it was their first podcast and I'm sure some of your listeners it's been their first as well but what they get out of sharing like there's just so much gratification at holding it holding the space creating the space then sharing it it really is and and what I love most is it's not fucking you know we can say fuck and we can say cunt and we can say all these words and it's not beeped out and it's you know i hope for as long as we can it be it remains kind of un what's the word i'm looking for um uncensored uncensored yeah and that's what i love about this right because in social media spaces at the moment you know i had my art account was kind of ripped ripped down because it had breasts on it i mean people have been painting women nude for you know, millions of years. It's just insane. And it's um it's good that this space is so free and easy and we can tackle the tough conversations. I cut you off there, Carter. We were talking about the censorship. What were you gonna say? I was just going to say that censorship's such a fucking stupid thing is, in, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. You know, people people are just so fucking focused on what other people are doing in their lives and and wanting to bring them down and, and they don't realize that they can just turn it off like change the channel don't fucking listen I know. you don't have to be a part of this community don't you follow. can go I be know. a part of your other fucking hateful community where you um go to a place of worship every weekend <laughs> yeah no exactly no you're exactly right and i've found it really challenging i'm about to open up a so instagram is just 
at the moment it's just on steroids with how it's shutting down accounts. And I've already lost one Instagram account that had 20,000 followers. It took me seven years to build, I might add. Mm. And now I've built that back up from my art community. And I, you know, I want to share certain conversations and I wouldn't say like, you know, like breast photos and vulva photos and all these things that I'm doing creatively. And I'm going to be doing it over on a platform called Sunroom, which is for mm -hmm. women creators and it's run by women. Men can follow and all sorts of things. It's kind of like a, there's OnlyFans for the porn and then there's, you know, Instagram for the commercial and then there's Sunroom for the creators. So you can show breasts and you can swear and, you know, it's not sort of censored from that perspective. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm about to, yeah, kind of go down that path just so that I can have a place where I can be completely me, which I can on the podcast as well. This is certainly an authentic, you know, this is as Nikki as you get. But visually at the moment, I don't have anywhere I can do that. Like I've yeah. got these amazing vulva photos that I've done recently and they're really fucking cool. Like we all come out of a, a, of a vagina. I'm not talking about something that's not on every second person in the world you know it's just insane it's so insane we've gone so we've gone so far backwards in that space um in recent years which kind of blows my mind like if someone wants to look at a boob they'll just type it into any search engine and yet we're covering a nipple or a bum crack or something on Instagram, it's it kind of blows my mind. I, I, I don't really use TikTok much. What's it like over there? The censorship. Um, oh, look, it's 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 a strange place actually because there's there's different lanes that you can end up in yeah. with TikTok. Yeah. And you know, every so often, I'll end up in a, a lane where it's a lot of OnlyFans content creators. Yeah. Um, and you know they they've found ways to do like really cheeky, um posts mm. so it'll be like this is me cleaning my fridge and then <laughs> but they'll but they'll be naked and you can see their naked body in like the reflection on yeah, the right. refrigerator handle yeah um and that doesn't get picked up so there's no like full frontal nudity that's purposeful but yeah. it's kind of like a cheeky nip slip here and there and it's that's their yeah. yeah that's their way of getting views and that's their way of kind of getting a following which I, is super smart. Well done is. to them. No, well done to them. And it's, you know, I, I, I was on TikTok for about a year. I've just recently ripped the app, app off my phone purely because I was mindlessly, you know, watching things. Although I will say, I don't think there was ever a night. Sometimes watching TikTok for two hours instead of TV, I mean, I'd laugh so much more. And I think for me, it brought a lot of joy. Um, mm. But it was just, again, it was just that phone device. So I want to ask you from your kind of perspective being a dad like what are some of the things that you love about parenting that you maybe didn't think you were going to enjoy and then we'll talk about the reverse so you know you're going to be a parent you're about to have these three kids we've identified you're a bit of a rat bag and did your fair share of things when you were growing up and mm -hmm. what's been the like what have been the things that you that you just fucking love that you didn't necessarily anticipate you would um, oh, I mean, it's a massive question. Great question, nonetheless, but massive. I, I never thought that I would be a good dad. I really? never thought. I never thought I would be maternal in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I never really wanted kids uh, up until I met my wife, yeah. and my wife and I were in Bali uh, on our first holiday together, yeah. and we were incredibly drunk from espresso cocktails by the pool all day, yeah. and all of a sudden she was like, "I want to have your babies." Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yep. And and I was like, oh shit, 
this yeah. isn't something that I'd thought of. And <laughs> this wasn't in the plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we were still, we, we'd been together less than a year. Yeah, right. Okay, so, so yeah, it's not long. Yeah, not long. But, I mean, we it, our romance was very whirlwind. We were engaged within the year, right. married and pregnant within the year after that yep, and building a house. So everything was very, very, let's go, let's do it. Yep. We want to be together forever. Um, awesome. But, but. The next day after we'd sobered up, she kind of brought it up again and yeah. we had a proper earnest conversation about it. And she was like, I have always wanted to be a mother since I was a kid. Like I knew that that's my purpose. Yeah. So uh, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Oh, but this, awesome. this, this is something that like I need, I need yeah. to be a parent. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's fucking do it yeah awesome. what's the worst that can happen yeah we can fuck it up um, and we can fuck them up like we were fucked up exactly right <laughs> uh so yeah we were pregnant like a few months after that that's awesome uh, and the second that i held my daughter hendrix was just the fucking best day of my life yeah. i like i just looked down at this little thing and i was like holy shit like you're mine yeah and, i know and you're mine forever and i have to keep you alive and that's fucking terrifying but that's also incredibly exciting yeah totally uh, and i kind of came into it really worried about the type of parent that i was going to be because i didn't have a great childhood as yep. far as parents go uh, i'm a child of divorce mm -hmm. and you know a whole slew of other things yep. um but i kind of was like just because that happened to me that mm. kind of gives me the angle where I can parent in maybe the opposite fashion. The fact that you, um, the fact that you thought about it so much is so good because I find there's so much focus when you are becoming a new parent on the birth and the baby and the mum and all the things. And I I often find that you know a lot of people don't necessarily think about the parenting part, right? Like the baby's going to come out regardless, Which, whichever way the baby's going to come out, it's going to come out and. You know, there's so many more conversations that, and things that you need to think about. Um, yeah. So the fact that you thought about that, I think, is a, is a really good sign, right? Definitely, yeah. So, so parenting now, the the best parts is is literally everything. I take the good with the bad, and I let them be my guide as far as how I need to parent and yeah. things I need to improve and and everything like that. You know, like because of my autism and sensory processing issues, I tend to get a little overwhelmed and I enter a bit of burnout yep. uh, and I get a little bit impatient and maybe raise my voice a little bit more than I would like to do. Yeah. Uh, but I own it and yeah. I will apologize to my children, which is something that never happened to me as a child. Mm. And I'll sit them down and I'll say, I'm really sorry that daddy got a bit grumpy. Mm. This is why it happened. Let's work together to see how we can change these things yeah. and 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 you know like you're my kids i love you very much i'm really sorry and you guys are my best friends and like yeah. let's let's just try to be happy and i'm not perfect you're not perfect nobody is let's never try to set that standard because it's no, unrealistic exactly. and stupid exactly um, right. but let's work every day to be the best versions of ourselves and we're going to trip along the way and we're going to fall off the the horse but it's important to recognize that mm learn from that get back up on the horse and keep trying to be the best versions of ourselves yeah, and i owe that all to, to my kids and my wife like yeah. without them i wouldn't have that kind of drive to make sure that they're able they're going to grow up pretty well adjusted 
almost trauma-free kids. Yeah, no, to- totally. I um, When I just did this podcast recently on co-parenting, I was thinking to myself, like, what's the measure? You know, I'm about to put out a, a whole podcast on giving advice on co-parenting and it's like, okay, why? Do, number one, why do I think that I'm able to give advice? And it's like, for me, the measure is I've got a now 18-year-old son who I've co-parented with his dad for 17 years and he's a fucking good guy. He is about to turn 18 in a month. He's well-rounded. He's well-loved. He's a really beautiful young human. And for me, that's the measure. It's like, you know, I'm not saying that if he was a rat bag, that that's necessarily all of one of our faults, but you know, he's, he's loved, he's got self-esteem, he's got, you know, like he's a really good guy. And it was kind of, I struggled a bit with people would be like, oh, you know, to begin with, people used to say, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, you're such a good kid. And it's like, no, there's no, like, yes, there's bad luck, you know, when kids are sick, when they're young and stuff. It's like, this is not luck. Like I read all the parenting books. I Mm -hmm. have made a conscious effort every fucking week of his life to have him feel loved and to not do what I had. And Mm -hmm. now I'm kind of like, I stand really tall and I own it and, and, and his dad as well. Right. It's not a, it's not a one man band. He lives with me permanently now, but you know, we co-parented for 17 years really well. And when I recorded the podcast, I was like, no, fucking own it, Nikki. You've got an awesome kid, you know, like essentially I'm I'm still his mum, but the parenting part, like he's in the world next year, right? He's had a license for 12 months now. And, you know, I now act as, an ear of reason for him and you know he's pretty he's trying all the things for the first time and you know he's doing all the normal things but my my goal was to be the parent that was both respected but also would be told about things like that was always my goal so I didn't have any I had no boundaries or rules and could do what I want when I wanted. And subsequently I had abandonment, unloved issues, right? And so I wanted to bring my boys up in an environment where they felt loved and supported, but I also, I want them to tell me, right? Like I want them to say, hey, I've fucking tried marijuana for the first time or I'm going to have sex with my girlfriend. And, you know, that's what I wanted. And I tell you, like you'll get here. It's fucking hard to navigate. Like when they're 15, 16 and these things are starting to come up, I, and I navigated this alone because his dad didn't want any part of it. And he kind of reclused because that all just seemed a little bit too hard to him. And I said, I just, I said to my son after I recorded, when I was recording this episode, I was talking to him about what's been the best and, and what's been the hardest and best part about having two homes and I was having a really open discussion with him and in this discussion he goes mum I'm by far the closest in all of my friend networks to my mum compared to them and I was like are you he goes yeah for sure and I don't think we talk that much right like we live together but you know he's an 18 year old boy walks in what's for dinner and like it's all very you know but we do we do have a chat but we don't we're not sitting around the dinner table talking about our day every day like it's not you know, I'd like to think we do, but we don't. The reality is that that's not, you know, he's at work four nights a week and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, but that silence is golden, Nikki. Yeah, you know, it is. You don't always have to be talking to know that you have a close bond. And no. he knows. Yeah, he no. knows intrinsically that if he was ever in the shit, 
he knows that you'll be on his side. Oh, 100%. And that's and that's fucking what, important. Yeah, and that's all I ever wanted, right? All I ever wanted because I went away to a 10-day retreat and I was like, fuck. You know, everyone's like, oh, you're just going to leave him at home for 10 days. And I was like, yeah, I am. Like, he's a great – he's nearly 18. Of course I'm – like, he's okay. And I wasn't contactable unless it was like a diehard emergency. And, you know, I sort of said to him, you know, like – don't have a party, don't. He's like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. Anyway, I got back from this 10 days and I had an email from one of the teachers. He was late two days in a row and Mm -hmm. the house was as I left it and he'd eaten all the food and I was scared he was going to lose his license. Like I had all these fears of things that he would do, right? And I got back and I read this email and he was late and it was funny because his dad at the time was like, oh, you know, what's this? I've got an email. He's been late. And I was like, well, I, and I, he knew I was away. And I was like, maybe you want to take him out for dinner a couple of times, you know, in that two-week period. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I ended up talking to the teacher and said, man, I was away for 10 days. The fact that I've come home and all he was was late twice in 10 days, like – what a fucking legend. Like I know what I know I know what I would have done if I was 17 and had the house to myself for 10 fucking days. Oh, and yeah. you know, he Yeah, he's awesome and I've got an you know, I've got another one coming up the ranks, but it's um it is. It's a really oh look, it's a whole nother podcast, right? Like it's just <laughs> it's such a fucking interesting space to navigate. Yeah, being a parent, right? Carter, it's like fuck, it's you know, it's the highs and the lows. One of the things that I've, you know, and I can say this because your kids are a little bit younger, is I've embraced every age, right? Like I've mm-hmm. always been like, you know, like now I can have a beer with my son at the pub. Like, and it was only the other day that someone said, oh, I wonder if he'll ever get married and have kids. And it's like, I kind of, I kind of thought about parenting him until he was about 20. And then I kind of forgot, I kind of forgot that he's going to have a whole relationship and it's only really just dawned on me recently because you put so much emphasis on him finishing school and getting a decent job and, you know, and then now I'm kind of like, yeah, wow, like I'm going to have, and he had a girlfriend over Christmas, last Christmas, and it was phenomenal. I had this female energy in my house full of testosterone and, you know, it was phenomenal. But I, um, I've i loved every age and mm-hmm. I've embraced, yeah, I've embraced every every age with open hands and one of the things i've learned as someone that's got an older kids is they just know so much more than we give them credit for like they're yeah. just you know yeah. if you think they're not listening and they don't know they fucking do right like they they do the kids always know more than what we than what we let on that's that's one of the things that yeah that i've learned especially about the world you know like oh, they, sure. they they know about the world that we live in now we know about the world that we lived in then correct yeah and correct. you know they're you know they're the change makers they're the ones that are going to run the country one day and that's super exciting because yeah. that goes real growth and real change yeah it is and, and you know while there's still pockets of fuckwits out there um who are against that change and want to live in tradition and hold women down and hold uh, minorities down mm. and marginalize uh, large portions of society. You know, we've got this new emerging um, right. population that are just like, fuck no, we're going to stand up for what's right. We're going to say, hey, don't wolf whistle girls on the street because that makes you a scumbag. Yeah. Don't tell girls to smile because they're pretty that way. Like, that's none of your fucking business. Yeah. Shut up. You do you. Let them do them. And the world will be a better place. And yeah. I'm super excited to see how that unfolds. And I'm even more excited to see my kids grow up in that in that space. Oh, absolutely. One of the things one of the things I've found for me in that parenting space is 
kids having a good friend network for me that was really important like that's the reason why I turned out a great person essentially is I had really great friends so whilst my family life was a bit you know shit I managed to surround myself with some really instrumental friends which became you know almost like my mentors in life really and I am adamant that that's what I want for my kids and I know that you know, he's done that. He's got a bestie. I'm friends with the family. And, you know, yeah, they're going out now and they're clubbing and they're trying all the different things that they're going to do. But ultimately they've got each other's backs, right? Because you can only you, you can only parent to a point and then you're not there. And then you've just got to trust that they're going to make the decisions that they're going to make. And yeah, sit back and watch, uh, watch it all kind of come to fruition. Yeah, totally. But it's, um, you know, if you can, if you can, help your children navigate and make good friends it's so fucking important like so especially so with, important especially with boys as well and that's what i'm super excited for also to see like this emergence of men's mental health yeah, in, totally. in modern society where you know we've got young men growing up not afraid to tell their other guy mates i fucking love you dude and give them a hug and shit like that like and it's and it's they're going to have friends that they can turn to and be like hey i'm pretty fucking sad right now i need help i need someone to talk to yeah. and their mates aren't going to be like feelings are for pussies yeah i know right <laughs> you know it's it's super exciting to see it is and good on them oh what an yeah. awesome conversation this has been so your podcasts come out every every fortnight i'll put everything in the show notes and i'll put the links and things to them because i think that i know our demographic are predominantly women but we you know and we've got that age bracket where they are mums and I think they'll find mm -hmm. it absolutely yeah really really important and the fact that you connect with so many people around the world and just allow them to tell their story there's so much strength in that right yeah yeah no it's super fun and it's uh it really has changed my life I'm actually uh gearing up to go back to school in uh in about a month's time really? to become uh, yeah I'm going to become a counsellor that's awesome yeah yeah it's my calling <laughs> it is, no it is your calling i already know that from this conversation it's absolutely your calling and everything you've done has prepared you for that right like yeah. you know i i, I want to work with uh with youth i think yeah. in the school system i want to be like a mental health uh like a well-being counselor in uh, in yes. high schools yeah i've you know i've done i've done youth justice and i've kind of realized that there's only so much i can do there that space yep get them before I, they yeah. get in there <laughs> Yeah, 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 kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, I think I think there's just a lot more help that can be done in schools. That's where I needed the most help. Yeah, for sure. So did I. So did I. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, that, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Carter. I've really enjoyed it. I'd love to get you back on the podcast in a few months and share where we're both at and, and you know, there's heaps of subjects that we didn't get to touch on. So I'd love to love, love you to join us again. Oh, of course, yeah. I could be the exclusive sausage. Yeah, the exclusive sausage. Well, there's no more on the <laughs> there's no more on the horizon, and we definitely didn't get to tackle, um, yeah, anything around fucking society and women versus men. So we'll have to have you back on. But thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Nikki. Bye bye. Cheers.